You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Welcome to Beyond the, Beyond the Headlines. My name is Joyce Deriga. I'm editor of the Chicago Catholic, and this is where we take a closer look at the stories that we're covering in the Chicago Catholic newspaper for the Archdiocese. And today we're talking to two parishioners from St. Josephine Bakita Parish down on South Shore, who um, the parish is doing this really unique program where they're training youth in to be leaders in nonviolence as a way to... Um, bring an alternative to combat the issue of violence in their community. So today we have Alfrede Weedham and Andre Rawls. Both of them are university professors and lots of accolades after their names and have extensive work in the nonviolence community. And um, so, ladies, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for the invitation, Joyce. Sure. So, Alfrede, do you want to start and just kind of explain the program? I mean, it's... Um, it's very in-depth and, and kind of like what you're planning on doing with it. Thank you. Our program is based on a community-developed program against violence, a indigenously created and developed for the African-American community, particularly initially, but now applies to the all participants and it began a number of years back with the public school system. We now apply it to community folks. We apply it to church groups. And our current program is to apply nonviolence principles and practices to the children who attend St. Philip Neary School. But not just the children, also the teachers and the uh, parents. Because, non, because violence is both an individual problem and a social problem. And as an individual, all of us can learn to be to behave differently in the context of America, where violence is usually the go-to solution for problems that occur. And so this is a program that attempts to get at the root of cu cultural change in our society through learning techniques to use nonviolent methods to counteract the challenges uh, that we all face. And in South Shore, we have an additional um, level of, of challenges. So our children and uh, uh, our parents and teachers are being addressed with this program. But so that's the... So what, I want to back up. The story that we did in the newspaper um, was the prelim, preliminary pilot that you got funds for. So it wasn't specifically just Philip Neary kids, right? You pulled from um, the area schools. And, and then well, now, yeah. right, you're advancing it to St. Philip Neary, like school-wide. Right. Yeah, that's super cool. Andrea, how, would you like to explain, if you could, not if you could, you can, obviously, because you're way deep in this sorry um the whole where it's rooted in the uh 
the civil rights movement. That was fascinating to me. And then you also mentioned to me when we were doing the interview that uh, through the program, it's also a bit of a history lesson for the youth um, because they might not know as much about the civil rights movement as maybe they should. Or maybe, I found maybe that we all should. Go one ahead. of the most uh, interesting features of the program, we started talking about nonviolence and its its um, origination with the Dr. Martin Luther King movement with Reverend Bevel and Reverend Jim Lawson, who had Reverend Lawson had been trained under Mahatma Gandhi in the principles of nonviolence and brought those trainings back to begin to address the issues of the civil rights movement in the mid 50s and early 60s. And what we noticed is as we began to show the film and talk about how the organization came to be and what the principles of nonviolence were, the young people were absolutely fascinated because they had heard of Dr. King, but they didn't understand what he actually stood for. They had not heard as much of some of the other operators and statisticians that were around him that made the uh, movement possible, and especially the participation of the young people at, at one point in the, um, in the march. We found that the parents became as engaged as the young people, and we found that the um, community members would come in and were, would t be totally engaged in the in so we we attracted more than just the young people that we started with and then we um learned that this should be a, a component of leadership we reached out to the knights of peter claver ladies auxiliary and the junior knights and junior daughters to get them to use this as a part of the leadership skills that the young people could put on their resumes as they move forward and matriculated through school oh wow i didn't know that so um you're getting them involved too, specifically, the the young. That's exciting. So there are some principles to uh, nonviolence, right? So am I right? There's like so much, so many pillars. Can you one of you share those with us? Because I think sometimes this becomes like so intangible to some t people like me who don't understand how this like works in a practical level. But I saw it when I was at this thing. Go ahead. On a practical level, you're absolutely right. One of the things that the trainer that is our co-participant in this program, uh, Philip Bradley, does in introducing the educational component of, of this training is uh, to ask, do you know what Alcoholics Anonymous is? Do you? Everybody says yes. Do you know how many steps? Yes, there's 12 steps. Then he asks, do you know how many steps it is to become nonviolent? Of course, nobody does. The civil rights movement developed an eight-step platform that is the, a logic model that allows people to learn the ways in which nonviolence can become part of your life. And it's a training like other kinds of training. You don't fall out of bed in the morning knowing how to be nonviolent, knowing how to respond to right. troublesome issues around you. You have to learn that. We all have to learn that. It's, it's all part of the becoming a, a human being. Uh, so there are eight steps, and the very first step is observation. We have to see what's around us, and that is a, a scientific principle as well. Uh, if you want to do, if you want to understand and advance scientific issues, questions about uh, scientific problems, 
first thing you do is you observe the issue at hand in detail and without bias. And the second step is to ask questions and to start developing your own skills in in understanding what's going on. What's what's below the surface here? What what is not obvious here? And one of the examples that I like to use when I teach the scientific method in my class is how important it is to realize that just because we're all looking at the same problem doesn't mean we all see it accurately. So uh, that's something that we have to be trained to do. So there's a series of steps that end in reconciliation because that's the purpose of nonviolence is not to punish people. It's not to, it's not to ostracize people, to marginalize people, to have revenge on people. The purpose is to reconcile with people. But in order to do so, you know, you really do have to understand that it is a process. Well, I really think after, you know, talking to you guys and talking to um, Philip Bradley that it's most, I mean, it's important to have it in communities that have a lot of, um, that see a lot of violence. And then there's the systematic generational violence. But boy, I really could see it anywhere. I'm sitting there thinking when he was talking and applying it to parts of my life or situations that I've encountered, you know, maybe in the office or with, with, um, friends or with other things that, and I think especially it's timely now, it seems like we're more, um, I don't want to, I don't know, angry or whatever since the pandemic. And so it does seem to have some, um, elements that could be, you know, definitely used far reaching. Right. But I know that the focus is, um, is on the kids at St. Philip Neary. We have about five minutes left. Um, trying to figure out we should take a break because I want to what I want to do is I want to talk about the um the plans for going forward and and how you plan to uh integrate it all into the school life at St. Philip Neary because that's like a whole big new thing and then also I want you to share your dream down the road for turning um one of the churches that was closed but not decommissioned yet through Renew My Church into this peace center um for the community, which I think is so cool. I think I get so excited now that we're sort of in a lot of the parishes are in this new building, the new reality phase. There are people, some people are getting creative in what they're using with what, what's left now that the merger. So let's, we might as well just take a break real fast. Um, My name is Joyce Deriga. I'm the editor of Chicago Catholic. This is Beyond the Headlines and we will be right back in a few minutes. Stay, don't go away. Charities Refugee Resettlement Program has been especially busy this year, assisting individuals and families who have fled dangerous situations in their homeland, including Afghanistan and the Ukraine. The Refugee Resettlement Team helps with everything they need to start to rebuild their lives in a new country, including housing, employment, 
clothing, food, English classes, and referrals for legal and immigration services. The refugees are tremendously grateful for the compassion and practical help they're receiving, and they're giving back and helping each other plan for a brighter, safer future. Volunteer opportunities are currently available for those who would like to be family mentors and tutors so children and adults can practice English. To learn more about these rewarding opportunities, call 312-655-7096. That's 312-655-7096. Forty-four for me teaching. When I started here, there were teachers here that had taught me when I was a student. Now I'm the old person. <laughs> right now, I teach junior high math. I love when kids find what I'm teaching to be fun, and they get it. I see that light bulb go off, and it's a thrill. People are always amazed. What? What? You're here for 44 years? It's hard for me to believe, frankly. (laughs) I love what I do. Every summer I think, oh, I miss the classroom. Even on the weekends, I think I can't wait to get back on Monday and teach those quadratic equations. (laughs) Shape the next generation of leaders. Teach. Apply today at artschicago.org slash schooljobs. Did you know that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible, free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you. I am a seminarian. The church needs compassionate and well-trained priests to help guide each of us through life. What inspires me, what draws me always to the priesthood is continue to see priests be a beacon of hope for other people. You can play a part in the education of these young men as they prepare for a life of service to others. I want to be that beacon of hope too, and it it sets my heart on fire. To support our seminarians, make your gift at artschicago.org slash seminarian fund or call 312-534-7959. Welcome back to Beyond the Headlines. My name is Joyce Tariga. I'm editor of Chicago Catholic newspaper for the Archdiocese. Before we go back to our guests, I just want to plug the newspaper for a minute. You can visit us at chicagocatholic.com. Uh, we come out about every two weeks. A subscription is $30 a year and helps support our ministry. You can also sign up for our free e-newsletter, which comes out about three times a week, and, there's, and follow us on social media. Right now, uh, we've got... Um, Cardinal Supich has uh, been writing a series of articles about the Eucharist that's related to the 
National Eucharistic Revival that's going on right now throughout the United States. We also have a story about, it's been 20 years since the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops adopted the Charter for Protection of Children and Youth, and all of the, the controls and checks that came in through that. So we, we take a look at that. And it's also been 30 years since the Archdiocese of Chicago implemented its own form. Um, we were really on the cusp of, of um, protecting children and minors from clergy uh, sexual abuse. So please check us out, chicagocatholic.com. And so today we're talking to Elfriede Weedham and Andre Rawls, whose son is famous in her own right. He's the principal of Leo High School on the south side <laughs> and does a phenomenal job there. But they've d- developed you. this really wonderful training, anti-violence training for youth in the South Shore community. So, Andre, do you want to, would you explain to us that, like, you got an, another grant and, and what you're expecting to do with this one and, and throughout the St. Philip Neri School? Well, one of the things we looked at is in the last grant, it was designed for a summer program or an after-school program, and it didn't incorporate the school in such a way that it involved the young people and their parents as well as faculty. So we spoke with our, our wonderful principal, Ms. Diane Asbury, and we came up with a uh, plan to do sessions with the parents, the faculty, and the children and let them um, understand better the principles of nonviolence. One of the things that we have to keep in mind is when you work from a perspective of nonviolence, it's an individual choice. And so you want to get there and, and not only train the community, but help individuals understand that they can make choices to be in cultures that are not violent. And so we're going to be working over the next year. Uh, we just got, we just received funds for that portion of this. And we're hoping to keep going. We're hoping to go for, forward and further. Um, we're hoping to change the dialogue and change what's going on in the community by taking one small step at a time. It's the, it's the old adage, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So we're, we're, we're about on our second bite at this point. <laughs> That's wonderful. And if there's any two two folks who can do this, I totally believe in the two of you with all of your history and the passion that you have for um, for your community and, and for this issue. And so I kind of plugged it before, but tell me, tell us, every our listeners about your dream for our, it's Our Lady of Peace Church. Yes, Our Lady of Peace Church. Yes, this is something that we... Have had in mind for a while, and yet it does take uh, putting a lot of pieces together, Joyce, as you know, and a big dream requires. One of the things that we had to learn as a committee is how significant the issue of violence is as a public health problem, because we're committed to understanding it not as a policing problem, but rather as a mental health and a public health problem, because we believe that is the only way to address it effectively. We can't police our way out of these kinds of social problems. And beyond that, when the police show up, it's already after the fact. It's already, uh, you know, the horse is out of the barn at that point. It's not a preventive measure. So our commitment is to create preventive measures. 
fundamental, rooted in our own individual personal commitment, and then a commitment that we can then spread to a family, our neighbors, our community, our churches. So the center that we have been dreaming about is a center that should require should incorporate a whole range of, of services. The Centers for Disease Control says that in order to address violence as a public health issue, we need multi-sector and multi-institutional actors participating. We need a whole range of wraparound services that people need in order to make this kind of transform transformation in their lives. It's not a one-off event. Right. It's not uh, uh, it's not just changing one small thing about the way that you think. It's changing your whole outlook towards others. And so we begin with the individual, but then we address our partners. We address our children, our families. We address the neighborhood in which we live. We address problematic issues out in the neighborhood such as gang violence, for example. And as committed to Catholic social teaching, we also apply this to understanding the roots of war and the ultimate roots of destruction, genocide. So it, it is a whole new way of understanding how to act in the world in order to create the kind of world that we want to live in. So the so Our Lady of Peace is a wonderful facility with many opportunities, options, a space that can incorporate a variety of different services, even things like parking, which is important in the city. So our dream is to incorporate a wide variety of services and with more actors coming together to be a, a, an anchor for changing the culture of violence in South Shore. Well, and uh, Philip Bradley said to me about it's changing. You don't have to change every single person in the community. You change a few. They change a few. They change, you know, like it's like this ripple effect. Andre, can you talk a little bit about that, how that all, that just kind of keeps growing and growing? Well, it's the exponential factor of change. And that is that when you start with a small group of people and you convince them and get them to believe in what they're doing from an you know internal place in their minds, then they will they will bring, just as everything else proliferates, the gangs proliferate because someone in a gang gets someone else. In, the same thing can happen on the positive side of the equation that we can start with a few people and we can expand to a larger community as we move forward. I think that is um, understanding the principles of nonviolence, understanding that it's a system, understanding that there is a way that it works, helps people begin to see that small steps lead to larger steps and larger improvements. So we're very excited about having a Peace Center at Our Lady Peace. It may be years down the road, but it's like anything else. You keep working toward it, and one day we'll look and we'll be standing there going, we did it. And we're looking forward to that day. Amen. Do either of you have any special moment um, 
in particular from this this recent um, training with the youth that you want to share that is kind of an example of the effect it can have? Well, some of our younger students who participated in the program were very articulate mm. about what they heard. Uh, so it, it did surprise us a little bit that uh, a seventh grader can actually stand up and explain how she can influence her peers and how she can she can um, enthusiastically present that this is a way to solve our problems. You know, this is how we can de-escalate situations that we share, you know, in ordinary everyday encounters uh, with our uh, friends and, and, and our family. And uh, so it, it did take me aback. You would think that, you know, you might think that, oh, these are, uh, these are the civil rights principles that adults were the leaders in. No, in fact, children were among the leaders in the civil rights movement, and they continue to be a, a terrific source of energy uh, and insight for us, uh, you know, old folks. Yeah. The children were amazing. I think I'd have to say that the young people were amazing. The fact that they were attentive, the fact that they were articulate, and they, they really uh, internalized the ideas. That's wonderful to hear. Yeah, they're always, it's always inspiring to be among the youth when they get excited, isn't it? So yes, can, if people want to help, can they, can, should they reach out to you guys through the parish or um, do you need volunteers or partners, parish yeah. partners? Well, we always need volunteers. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I would suggest that reaching uh, St. Philip Mary. Uh, through, oh, through the school, but uh, that makes sense, uh, yeah. Well, it's possible to reach us through the school, St. Philip Mary, but the parish, uh, St. Josephine Bikita, probably uh, would also be a very good source uh, for contacting us. Um, do we have the um, telephone number? Uh, I think it's 773. Oh, sorry, I don't have it at the top of my head. I'm sorry. I'll, I have it right here. I'll give it. The parish phone number for St. Josephine Bakita is area code 773-363-1700. Awesome. And you can check their website too. Um, Bakita is B-A-K-H-I-T-A. -A. So some in Josephine. Um, it's one of our brand new. And look into St. Josephine Bakita. She's got a tremendous That's, story yes. in and of herself. All right. Well, ladies, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us and for the wonderful work that you're doing um, on behalf of peace in the South Shore community and beyond. And I'm grateful to have you on. And just one more shout out to the newspaper. If you check us out at chicagocatholic.com, you can sign up for our free newsletter, check out our stories, follow what the Cardinal's saying, what the Pope's saying, and follow us on social media. And again, my name is Joyce Deriga. I'm the editor of the Chicago Catholic, and this is Beyond the Headlines. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Welcome back. Es fabuloso verlos. Dobrze jest znowu być razem. It's good to be together again. After so many months apart, pandemic capacity limits have been lifted, and we want to welcome everyone back to church. We can all pray together again. And listen as our choirs lift their voices in song. We've been together in spirit. And now when you are ready, our doors are open wide. Nuestras puertas están abiertas de par en par. Nasze drzwi są otwarte. And we're here to welcome you back to Catholic Mass.